0: Hi, everybody. Welcome to Bestseller TV. I'm Taryn Winterbrill. We're here with Chris Westfall. He is the author of Easier, 60 Ways to Make Your Work Life Work for You. Chris, it's so wonderful to have you back.
1: Taryn, it is always a pleasure to be speaking with you. Thanks for having me.
0: Likewise. Thanks for being here. So uh, just to recap, Blast from the Past, you were here for your third book, Leadership Language, back in 2018.
1: Right. I was fortunate enough to get a two-book deal with Wiley. So the first one was leadership language. And now this is the second, and it's easier. And actually, writing this one was actually easier, if you can believe it. It lived up to its title.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So tell me more about that. You know, tell me why it was easier. Tell me about the title. Um, you know, tell us how this is different from your other books. Because your first book was on pitching, if I remember. The second one was branding. The third one was we mentioned is leadership, and this is easier. So do tell.
1: It's been a bit of an evolution and easier. Isn't the book that I set out to write Taryn. I, what I pitched to Wiley was a book about a hundred ways to create the future of work. That was what I originally pitched. And so I sat down to write this book and it, it felt like I was making a, like a bunch of blog posts. And I said, you know what? I, I don't want to do that and and just as you kind of evolve as a person the work that you create is a representation of of that evolution so i wanted to i wanted to try to capture what it was that i was seeing and not just what i was seeing in my work as a as a coach and as a consultant but but what i was experiencing and and also what i wanted to experience you know, and, and it's no secret, the pandemic took something from all of us and, and continues to kind of provide us with restrictions and a lot of different challenges, which I don't want to go into. But, but what I knew that I wanted was an easier way. And what I was working on with all of my clients, all of them, and, and in a number of different areas, in a number of different businesses, another diff- number of different markets, everyone was looking for a way to make things easier. And so that was what transpired. And that was the book that, that I didn't set out to write, but it was the book that I needed to write. And so I crafted a business fable. It's unlike anything I've ever written before.
0: Yeah, and, it's unique, very unique. Tell us, yeah.
1: Well, it's a dialogue. So right. on, I, I, I didn't, I'm like, can I, can I write a dialogue? Can I even do this? So there was a challenge aspect to it that was very intriguing, but uh, it also made me kind of like, I don't know. If, if I can write this story, but here's the thing. It was the story that needed to come through me. If that, if that makes any sense at all. And I'm, yeah. I'm not trying to be very woo-woo about it. I'm just saying, this is what it was like. This was the, the story that unfolded as I looked in the direction of what would make things easier. Because that was a question that I was asking my clients and my clients were asking me, they were hiring me as a coach to make things easier. And so through this conversation, which is what easier really is. It's, it's a dialogue. It's a conversation between a client and a coach. And the, the client is frustrated. Like millions of people all around the world, he's frustrated in his job. And he, he wants to find the courage to quit. So he hires a coach to help him to, to find that, that courage and, and to figure out what's next. Little does he know, he's about to be fired in just five days.
0: Wow. Wow. So just a quick question, quick follow-up. Is this uh, autobiographical in any way? Are, are you the coach? Maybe were you the client way back when? What can you What can you, you know, give us insight into here?
1: The answer to the question, am I the coach or the client is yes.
0: <laughs> I knew so, you were going to say so, something like that. Right, <laughs> apple or orange, yeah. <laughs> That's right, I I'll take the
1: whole basket. Um, the story is based on my experiences, coaching others, being coached, uh, being in the corporate world, um, the experiences that I've, I've seen, but presented in a way that helps people to put themselves in the story because it's not a memoir, right? It's not, it's, it's not my biography or something like that. Um, I wrote this book from a place of service to help people to see themselves in the story and to see new possibilities for themselves. And writing about the client losing his job helped me to to provide what looked like to me the the ultimate low in someone's career. And if you can experience that ultimate low and realize that you are more than just your circumstances and realize that possibilities always exist, even when you hit a roadblock, which we all do, maybe maybe we're not being fired, but we all run into challenges all the time. And... And life is filled with challenges. I mean, you know, I look, the guy, the guy who wrote a book called Easier is here to say, life can be hard, right? Yeah. I mean, and, and I would never say, oh, life can be easy because that doesn't look real to me. But there is a way to show up, no matter what your circumstances might be, that makes things easier. And that's really what the book looks at. And, and I and I had to craft what what looked like to me to be sort of a life after career death story to show, to show that journey to to new possibilities. And I, I hope that people listening and, and watching, I hope that you never have to go through being fired. I hope that that's experience an experience that you don't share. But I, you know, we are all gonna face challenges.
0: Yeah. And setback. So is this based on one particular client of yours, or is this a compilation or of of all these experiences, or is it fictionalized completely? You know, a scenario you've created?
1: Well, I I lack the creativity and imagination to completely fictionalize it, Taryn. That's that's okay. uh, <laughs>
0: No, no, you I'm said kidding. that, I didn't. I don't believe it, but okay.
1: <laughs> I'm just here to call balls and strikes, Darren. I'm going to call it like I see it. No, the fact of the matter is that this is, um, in, in writer terms, it's what they call an amalgam, which I'm sure you're familiar with. It's a combination and compilation of experiences that have happened to me that I've shared with clients. So it's not based on one client conversation. It's based on multiple client conversations and, and multiple discoveries that I've made uh, along the course of my career. You know, I, I built my career in coaching around helping people to pitch their business ideas. That was, like you mentioned, that was the first book called The, the New Elevator Pitch. And that platform allowed me to help a lot of entrepreneurs. And in, in fact, to help my clients to land on on Shark Tank and Dragon's Den in Canada, even Shark Tank Australia. And so that was where I really, I guess you could say, made a name for myself is in helping people to pitch their stories. And over the course of my career, I've helped launch over, uh, I think it's over six dozen businesses now, and I've helped raise over $100 million in capital investment and counting using, using these communication strategies and helping people to communicate more effectively. Great.
0: Yeah, incredible. Yeah, I just want to say you go to your website; it's so impressive because you know you're listed as an author, which is what I was, you know, looking at. But then coach, speaker, consultant, and it's kind of this combination of of all these talents and services that you offer. Um, what did you start as though? You know, what was the genesis of this whole portfolio that you have?
1: Well, I was a corporate guy for many, many years. Okay. Uh, I I went back to school to uh, get my MBA, and that led me on a corporate journey. So I worked for Fortune 100 companies. Um, I I worked uh, for a manufacturing company out of Cincinnati as a senior executive uh, and part of the C suite there. So I did. I did a number of different things. I even worked for. Uh, I even worked in worldwide global marketing for a cosmetics company, if you can believe it. So awesome. I've done a lot. Yes, I know. I can't I'm, believe I, it, but you know, I believe true. you. It's true. That's but right. Are you,
0: are you saying like you're working? You said like are you working in sales? You said marketing. Are you working when you say you've done it all? Sales. I mean, what part of corporate America that kind of you know led you to where you are today with with all these services that you offer?
1: I started off in product marketing. That's where I began my career after I got my MBA. And from there, I did a series of different responsibilities in marketing, in sales. I built and led sales teams all over the world. I moved into a leadership position and and a senior leadership position later in my career. And then it was time to launch my own business. It was time for me to turn my experience into experiences for others. And so from there, and, and I, when I started my business, of course, I started working as a keynote speaker because I was always the guy getting uh, pulled up on stage, onto the stage to, to speak at, at corporate events and stuff like that. And I, I was like, why do they keep, why do they keep turning to me? You know, why do they keep pulling me back in?
0: (laughs) Why do they like me so much? Why me? Right. Well, clearly, you know what you're talking about. um, And you've made your life easier, pun intended. Um, I did have to go back because you, you mentioned Shark Tank, uh, which, you know, if you don't know what that show is, maybe you're living under a rock or in a Shark Tank. Um, But tell us, tell us how you I'll just quickly, um, what was that like, and how did your clients do? Were they did they make it to air, and and did anyone invest in them, and what happened?
1: Yeah, you can check out on uh, Shark Tank season twelve. The company is called Bunch Bikes, and uh, you'll see Aaron Powell is the leader of that organization and the founder of Bunch Bikes. And you can watch him square off against Barbara Corcoran in a very heated argument. Yes. So we worked together on uh, pitch coaching. And for Aaron, what I did with him was not only talk about, you know, the mechanics of of what it's like when you walk onto the set and that sort of thing. And of course, they shot Shark Tank at the last season. They did it in Las Vegas so that they could observe COVID protocols and quarantines and stuff like that, uh, because that was the time when they were shooting it. And so we had a lot of conversations about how to show up on set but every pitch is really one in q a and for aaron he got into a pretty heated exchange with barbara corcoran and damon john on the show warned him uh because barbara said can i ask you a question and my client said sure of course you can (laughs) and i can't imagine what you would ask that would that would be so troubling and damon john was like you haven't heard her question yet, basically. And so anyway, to set the stage, he won the pitch in the Q&A session because part of our coaching together was to do a q and I actually brought in friends of mine and investors to play the role of Mark Human, Damon John. Uh, so, so he had been in the tank before he had to swim with the sharks. And actually we had a version of the conversation in our practice session where we asked him because there were some concerns. I don't wanna go into all the details. There were some concerns about the debt that he was carrying in the business. So we talked about that and the sharks in our practice round had asked him about it before he actually got into the studio. So it was a great way to give him that experience before he had to really dive into the tank. And that's, in a nutshell, that's part of the power of coaching is it give you a sandbox to play, to experiment, to try new possibilities. And, and that, was, that was what I observed in my work with Aaron and the other folks that I've, I've coached on to other, other shows. And I could tell you those stories as well. But the takeaway is that when you have a space where you can try things out and you can explore possibilities, you can make new discoveries. And so when the stakes are really high, you can show up differently. And that's the key, I think, to to really creating an impact. Because when you show up differently, everything changes. I mean, the obligations are the obligations. The duties are the duties. The deadlines are the deadlines. The sharks are still the sharks. Right. When you show up differently, the conversation can change. And that's what happened for Aaron. And he got got an unprecedented deal, unlike anything in Shark Tank's history, based on his pitch. What did he get? So- Robert Herjavec, one of the sharks, was not on the show. And yet, after the show, he jumped in with Barbara and became a co-investor. So this was the first time in Shark Tank history that a shark that was not on the show participated in a business that, that – was presented as part of the series. So it was, yeah, unlike anything, it's never happened for any other yeah. business. Wow. So that's a testament
0: to, to the product. Yeah. So is, it, is, the, is the company doing well? Bunch Bikes? I'll have to look it up.
1: They're, they're thriving. They're doing great. And it's uh, it's an electric bike solution. It's a three-wheel bike and they have several different models, but the the front of the bike in between the two front wheels, the two front wheels that are in parallel to each other, Right. There's a a cart, there's a carrier where you can put your kids in there or your dogs or whatever. So instead of your kids being behind you and having to look at that view that nobody likes from the child seat, you know what I'm saying? you can put your kids right there where you can see them, and and it's an electric bike, so it's real easy to go to the carpool line at school and drop your kids off, or to the mall, or to the park, or to wherever you're going with the with the kids, the dogs, and uh, the picnic basket, whatever you whatever you might be interested in. So that's the story of Bunch Bikes. It's a fascinating company. Aaron Powell is the CEO and founder, and uh, a real Shark Tank success story. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? C-suite Radio.
0: Um, clearly, you know another reason. If you're getting your, you know, your clients on uh, Shark Tank, and um, you know Robert Herkovic is buying in, um, you have a lot to say, and you're making life easier for your clients, literally. Um, so the number sixty. I did want to touch upon a couple, but tell me, why did you pick sixty? Sixty waves um, specifically.
1: I made a deal with myself, and the deal was this. I'm not going to make any observations that don't come up organically from the story, from the events that happen to these men and the other characters in the story. I'm going to follow the characters in the narrative and see what they see, because to me, that looks like authenticity. I don't want to try to shoehorn in some idea that doesn't fit for the narrative. That just didn't feel right to me. And when I set out, I mean, I told you originally it was going to be a hundred when I set out, I, I didn't know if it was going to be 25 or 50 or 312. It turned out that it was 60. So it was just from the narrative, from what these men experience, discuss and observe, that was just the number that showed up.
0: Got it. Okay. So, um, I mean, there were a few that, you know, I starred um, that I had questions about, but uh, were there any that you specifically just uh, give us a couple lessons, a nugget, a lesson or two, uh, if you wanted to highlight out of the 60 that stand out for you?
1: One of the messages that comes out for me, and, and it's a message that I wrote, but it's also a message that I need to read every day, is this. You don't have to go it alone. Sometimes as an entrepreneur, it's easy to fall into the trap that you, you have to lift the world all by yourself. You have to be Atlas, you know, and, and you know what happened after Atlas shrugged, you got a sore shoulder. Anyway, the point is you don't have to lift the whole world by yourself. And in fact, anything of any value involves other people. So things get easier when you realize that we stand on the shoulders of those who have gone before us. We are surrounded by people who are willing and able to help us. And there are often solutions that, that we don't see. But exploring this this possibility with understanding you don't have to go it alone makes everything easier.
0: So, Chris, I did want to touch upon a couple of the the 60 ways that stood out for me uh, because I was fascinated to just kind of, you know, the title of them in in general. So uh, one of them, I think it was Lesson 7. Don't quote me on that. But you write, don't believe in yourself, understand who you are. It's easier. So don't believe in yourself? What does that mean? What's that dichotomy about?
1: Well, I had a coach one time say to me, you've got to believe in yourself. And I said, which self should I believe in? The self that just ate a bag of Oreos or the <laughs> self that just you know, yelled at his wife or sent a nasty email to Josh in accounting? <laughs> I mean, look, Josh deserved it, I'm just right. saying. But anyway, this isn't about Josh. But my point is, while I'm busy believing in myself and trying to manage my moods and pump myself up and get myself to a place and a mindset where I can achieve greatness. Meanwhile, my competition has taken massive action. They haven't been worried about managing their moods and they're racing right past me. And I'm sitting on the sidelines, wondering when I'm going to feel better when what I need to do is set my moods aside and do what needs to be done. And so if I'm not busy trying to believe in myself, What happens? And one of the questions that the coach asks the client is, who are you when you aren't on your mind? And who I am when I'm not on my mind is someone who is getting things done and making things happen and doing things in a way where life feels like like a lazy Sunday afternoon. And, you know, like on a lazy Sunday afternoon, you're doing exactly what you want, whether it's making a sandwich or taking a hike or going to the park or phoning a friend or whatever it is. You're, you're doing what you want and, and you are living your life in a way where everything is easier and, and every choice that you're making doesn't come from obligation. It just comes from a natural place where where you it's not a matter of believing in yourself you're just doing what you want. And that's not to say that the book is about, well, you know, anarchy or just, you know, live however the heck you'd like, but it is about stepping into the easiest thing, the easiest thing in the world to commit to. And that isn't believing in yourself. It's commitment to be who you are.
0: Yeah. That's fascinating. your identity. Yeah. Very interesting. And yeah, your first lesson, you say live life like a lazy Sunday afternoon. And as I was reading it, it kind of reminds me of my dad's, mantra, which was, it's better to be doing nothing than to be busy doing nothing, right? If, you, if you're going to be doing nothing, just be doing nothing and breathing, as opposed to being in constant motion all over the place. And then at the end of the day, you've accomplished absolutely nothing. <laughs> so it kind of resonated with me in that capacity.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I've had the day, you know, where you accomplish a lot. And then at the end of the day, you're just, you're just burned out and you feel like you're on a hamster wheel. Right. And, and what's easier about that? Uh, for me, not a whole lot. I think that, um, there's a lot to be discovered in terms of personal freedom inside this book and the freedom to uh, step into who you are in a new way. And, and who you are, not from a standpoint of ego or looking at your business card to reassure yourself who you are, but seeing seeing yourself as a, a human being, not not just not just a human doing, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, I like that. Human being versus a human doing. Maybe that's the title of your next book. Uh, Very good. Let me get a pen. Very good. I like that a lot. I'd read that book. Um, Let's do one more lesson. Um, I thought this was very interesting. Uh, I think it was lesson 52 for anyone counting. Um, Success is always available. When we eliminate two words, success gets closer. Those two words by now. Hmm. I mean, so true, right? I mean, people seem to have this time limit on success, but you know, we've heard about so many people that achieve great things you know, later on in life. And I think it's such an important lesson to, to, you know, to hit home with.
1: It's so true. Success is not on a stopwatch. And we think that we know the timing. And it's because we put that artificial construct that says I should be living in a bigger house by now. I should, be, I should be driving a Tesla by now. I should be married by now. I should be fill in the blank by now. And that kind of pressure it isn't making anything easier. And it's not getting you closer to your goal. It's introducing discouragement into the conversation. It's introducing disappointment. And who works well under those conditions? No one. So what happens if you recognize that success isn't on a stopwatch? What happens when you see that timing isn't always what we think it is? And in the course of the the narrative, the coach asks the client, hey, how long did you date your wife before you got married? And the client says 11 months. How long for you coach? And the coach says five years. So who got it right? The answer is both, 11 months, five years. What's the difference? I mean, if it if it takes you 10 years or 10 minutes to make a billion dollars or to invent that that product that changes your life or whatever it is that you're on about, recognize the important thing is, is that you're making things happen. And dropping the buy now allows you to make more things happen because you're not you're not holding yourself to a standard that says, I know exactly how long success takes. No one no one does. And acknowledging that isn't, isn't an admission of weakness. It's, it's simply a deeper understanding of the way things work. So you can start working on what you really need to do.
0: Right. It's that old adage, you know, quality versus quantity. Both answers are right. You know, 11 months is five for you is five years for me. So it's yeah. So I never, I hate that. I hate that question. How long did it take? It's like, yeah, it's, it's not one size fits all when it comes to time. So I, that totally resonates with me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, finally, Chris, you know, who is this book for? Um, is this about making professional life easier, personal life easier, or both? Because this is written in a professional capacity.
1: It is, but it also, as, as you'll see in the narrative, touches on strengthening your relationships Strengthening your self-leadership. And if you are wondering, well, does that impact the way that I show up in my personal life or my professional life? The answer again is yes. The lines between personal life and professional life have been blurred. If if there's one thing the pandemic has taught us, is that there, there, you know, it's just life. And so from that standpoint, the book is designed to help people and organizations to show up in a way that's more effective. And I call that way an easier way. And the way that we do that is not by redesigning the culture of our organizations. It's by helping the people inside those organizations to see new possibilities, to access innovation, to show up differently around obligations and deadlines so that so that we all see a, a new way to identify with ourselves and to identify with the service that we provide. and I, I hope that people see changes and I know that my clients have in their professional life and in their personal life. And again, that makes everything easier.
0: It does. So it is like, as you said, just it is applicable to so many different parts of our lives um, within our professional lives, within our personal lives. Um, time's up, but uh, I wish it weren't. Chris, it's always so great to talk to you. So insightful. Um, you're so smart and articulate. Book number five to come. Yeah, we'll see you then. Is that is that on the way?
1: Let's hope so. I've been doing a lot of work as a ghostwriter too, Taryn. So I'm working on a ghostwriting assignment right now. And uh, that's that's what's that's oh. what's coming up next for me. So
0: me. Why do that?
1: Well, my entire coaching career has evolved, as I was saying earlier. And I started helping people with these you know, two and three minute pitches. And now it's turned into helping people to craft their story and share it inside of books, as well as keynotes. I mean, I I coach people in a number of different venues. One of my clients that just was just here from California, this guy has won four Emmy awards, Taryn. He's like you. I mean, he's- he's I
0: haven't won four Emmys, but-
1: well, but hey, Taryn. I mean, you know, we're talking about my background, but we could talk about yours. I mean, you—you're very <laughs> accomplished. I'm a fan. I'm a fan and a friend. Believe me. But look, the—the the, the point of the story is this: we all want to be better. And what has evolved for me is helping my clients to be better has led me into ghostwriting. And since the pandemic began, I have served as a ghostwriter on four books four books. So actually easier is actually the fifth book that I've written. Four of them I'm uncredited on, but get this. The last one that I wrote was a wall street journal bestseller. Wow. So this ghostwriting thing, it's, it's just been super exciting for me. It's been a really, really powerful collaboration. I have great authors that I work with. I'm very, very fortunate and blessed in that regard. I'm grateful for the collaboration, but ultimately it's what has been showing up. What could make this easier? And when you think about the output of what it takes to create uh, you know, five books since the pandemic started, the way that I've been able to do that is I had to ask myself one question, what could make this easier?
0: All right, so you're practicing what you're preaching, which is always uh, the best medicine. Um, Chris, thank you for being here. Congratulations on all the books and the ghost writing books, truly incredible. And uh, we can't wait to see you again, to see what's next.
1: Thank you so much, Taryn. Really a pleasure. I appreciate it.
0: Thank you. And if you'd like more information on the book, just check out our website. It's c-sweetbookclub.com. That's c-sweetbookclub.com. I'm Taryn Winterbrill. Thank you for watching. We'll see you next time right here on Bestseller TV.
1: Like what you just heard, visit c-sweetradio.com. C-Suite C-Sweet Radio, turning the volume up on business.